James Harden going to sign their extension. His trade value is not there. And when you hear reports... He paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contract. What happens next year with Giannis Antetokounmpo? He will be eligible for a Supermax next summer. If he re-signs a new reality, the players are going to move around and the players are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole you know, life. And because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 Find a home. So, he probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free agency. I think agency. he could have got a lot more in the offseason. Wow. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got to secure it, man. No question. What's going on, party people? I am your host, Stephen Bagel, and this is Sports Ethos' very own The Bird Rights Podcast. With me today, anybody who knows anything about Sports Ethos has to know this guy. Anyone who follows the Memphis Grizzlies has to know this guy. It is David Williams of the Locked On. Oh, not, excuse me, not the Locked On, the Hoop Ball. Um, I had Doug Noy on from Locked On, so I'm getting everything mixed up. <laughs> from the Sports Ethos Grizzlies podcast. David, how are we doing today? I'm good, man. I'm locked on at Hoop Ball, Sports Ethos. We don't know what it is, but I'm good and enjoying it. We're getting. Super close to the tip-off of the NBA season, getting a lot of uh, interesting stuff going on in the preseason. So ready to go, just uh, locked in. And I've been – this time of year is nuts, right? So, you know, here at Sportitos, the draft season for fantasy basketball is huge. The Brewski 150 coming out and everybody just making a, a giant push to get everything that they can out to get ready for the draft season. And, uh, you know, I, I am ready for basketball games that count because that means I can start winning money in fantasy. Of course. And while we're on that topic, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Do you guys remember who led you, as David just talked about? Who led you to the Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rogier, and Mikhail Bridges before any other rank list did? It was a Brewski 150. And you probably turned those huge wins into some cash, didn't you? Great. Well, this year, the Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time, and Ethos 360 subscribers can get access in less than a week, which it's actually already out. So you guys could go ahead, subscribe. I think you get the Brewski 150 by itself. You could get it with the um the Ethos 360, and you can get it with any Fantasy Pass. I'm not sure if it's out yet on the Fantasy Pass. David, you might know better than I do. Man, I don't know the dates on that stuff. I know 360 subscribers have it. And I know that uh, Fantasy Past, uh, people that have had the Fantasy Past for a year ongoing, they get it early as well so that it has been released to them. And the a la carte, I believe, releases, I want to say next week, possibly on Thursday, but I'm not 100% on that. Okay, well, the site explains better than either David or myself can, so go check it out. Again, some people already have that, the Brewski 150, so you are already behind on the curve if you have not yet gotten it, but hopefully you know you could beat the rest of your league to it. So go purchase that. That's sportsethos.com. So, David, admittedly, I'm not thrilled with what the Grizzlies did this offseason. Um, we're going to get into that more specifically, but I'm looking forward to next year. The Grizzlies theoretically were a cap space team this year. They... But when you, you know, factor in the cap holds for Tyus Jones and Kyle Lander, they, they ended up not being a cast based team after, you know, speculation that they could renounce rights theoretically and go after a guy. But this wasn't, this was a pretty weak free agent class. 
this upcoming year, you know, we just saw C.J. McCollum sign an extension, Larry Nance Jr. sign an extension. Guys are starting to get locked up for next year's free agent class, so, you know, I'm really not expecting this upcoming free agent class to be all that great either. So I preface that to say because the Grizzlies are in a great spot, but not a tax team. Again, theoretically, they only have about $109 million committed next year with the cap space, I think, projected to be, or the cap line being about $123 million. So theoretically, they could if they let Dylan Brooks walk, if they let Danny Green walk, if they let Brandon Clark walk, which, again, I don't think they will. Um, At least I think they would keep Clark on the books with his cap hold. So I just preface that to say the Grizzlies, not only did they have the second best record in the NBA last year, and they made it to the second round of the playoffs, but they're in really good shape financially as well. John Morant's extension doesn't kick in next year. I'm Desmond Baden's almost a lock to, you know, sign his rookie extension the following year. That would kick in. So I suppose what I'm getting at is let's start with the Steven Adams extension. That one actually kind of caught me by surprise. I I mean, he didn't play much in the playoffs. The Grizzlies actually were a better team with him not playing in the playoffs. He went from starting to DNPCDs, basically. And it it, it worked. I I know they didn't win the championship or anything. They didn't go to the conference finals, but it, it worked given the type of basketball they need to play in the playoffs without Steven Adams being there. So I know locker room culture. I know he's a good presence in the locker room. So what, let's start with that. What do you think of the Steven Adams recent two-year, $23 million extension that he's just signed? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the deal. It's a, uh, it's a very good prize for him. And what he brings to this team is extremely beneficial. The, the, the issue with the things that happen in the playoffs, it's going to be matchup dependent. And you don't want to think, well, my starting center is going to be matchup dependent whether I can play him or not. So I get that. I understand that. But a lot of times the best five-man lineup that the Grizzlies can have out on the floor is going to look something along the lines of Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Brandon Clark. And so when it counts, when it really counts, and let's be honest, Regular season wins mean crap. You need to win in the regular season in order to get to the playoffs. But if you don't win in the playoffs, nobody gives a crap. So they, I love the extension because Jaron Jackson Jr. was better when he was on the floor with Steven Adams. And Steven Adams is arguably the best screener in basketball. When you have a guy like Ja Moran on this team, you need somebody like Steven Adams who's going to be kind of that muscle enforcer type player. And so I, I don't think that they overpaid by any stretch. Zach Kleiman had made it clear that they are going to pay their guys. Uh, he didn't say specifically that they were willing to go over the, the tax to pay that luxury. But by everything, like his demeanor, the way that he mentioned it, I don't think that they're going to be scared to do that. Um, you mentioned in the offseason – that they could let Danny Green, Dylan Brooks, and Brandon Clark walk. And we actually talked about Dylan Brooks on uh, the, the previous episode of my my show. It's a Ethos Grizzlies podcast. We were talking about that. And I find it extremely unlikely that Dylan Brooks is going to play for anybody other than the Memphis Grizzlies next season. Now, does that mean he gets a four- or five-year deal? 
I don't think so. Not unless he's going to take a significant discount in order to get that type of deal. But I just, his, what he brings to this team, the locker room, the culture, the stuff that he does for this team, I don't see that they let him walk. Um, I'm kind of veering off track. I apologize. I'll go back to Steven Adams. Regular season, he is going to be a guy that's going to be out there. He's going to play, you know, 24 to 28 minutes a game, and he's going to be a, a big body to absorb fouls. He's going to set screens. He's going to rebound. He's a fantastic playmaker from his position. Uh, he, I think he's a very underrated passing big man. If you've watched the Grizzlies at all, Steven Adams to uh, Desmond Bain on kind of like a dribble handoff at the elbow was something that went uh, extremely well for the Grizzlies last year. There were a lot of times, you know, he would do the dribble handoff to him or he would fake the dribble handoff and Bain would cut to the basket and Adams would hit him in stride for an easy layup. So there are a lot of things that Steven Adams does well that this team needs. Rebounding is the biggest thing and offensive rebounding. He was one of the best in the league offensive, if not the best, he may have ended up finishing as a top offensive rebounder last year. So for, you know, $12.5 million at the price that some of these guys are getting right now. I love that for, you know, for the Grizzlies, for Steven Adams. And it's a it's still a tradable contract. So if you need to get out from under it, you're not going to, you know, it's it's two years and $12.5 million. I don't think anybody is going to balk at that at all to get a guy that has the experience that Steven Adams has. Okay, so let's rewind a little bit. So Stephen Adams just recently signed extension as recently as last week. The Grizzlies all season basically started at the NBA draft where they traded DeAnthony Melton to the 76ers for, I believe it was pick 23. But then they also had, uh, the numbers might be a little off. I believe they went into the draft with picks 21 and 29 and ended up with like 23 and 27, something like that, and lost Melton in the process. So, I mean, I'm actually pretty big on Jake LaRavia and David Roddy not as much. Uh, I guess I suppose why the Grizzlies did it. And again, the Grizzlies are one of the few handful of teams that are phenomenal at player development. I mean, they are like ball none, essentially. So if they like a guy and they draft a guy, I'm going to trust their evaluation, irrespective of what I think of the prospects. But that aside, I'm not a big David Roddy guy. Jake LaRavia I like, but I do think 19 was a little bit of a reach, which is, I believe, where they took him. And he, I don't know. I, I think they could have waited, if, even if they got 20 from the Sixers. But again, I, I'm not in the front office quite yet. So maybe I'm reading that situation wrong. Maybe they knew something that obviously we didn't know and they thought the radio was going to go earlier. I don't know. I just, I just thought they traded up for a guy they didn't necessarily need to trade up for and lost Anthony Melton as a result. So my first question is, what do you think of, and, and I had you on to do our draft grades, David, right mm-hmm. after the NBA draft. And we basically, we broke down every team's draft. So I'll, this was a familiar, what do you think of the Grizzlies draft? So, Overall, how do you think those rookies will mesh with not only a young team, but a team that is ready to compete? And I guess I want to tie that into Jan Jackson's obviously heard yet again. Obviously, he was healthy last year. But isn't the defense really going to suffer losing Melton? Because now you know you no longer don't have your perimeter stopper. But Jan Jackson, who 
if he hadn't fouled so often last year, he probably would have won defensive player of the year last year. Yeah, so, you know, Melton is a fantastic perimeter defender. Uh, Dylan Brooks, I would say, is the best perimeter defender on this team, whether Melton is there or not. Uh, so, you know, losing a guy like Melton is pretty tough, and that's uh, that's something, you know, Jake LaRavia has to be a hit in order for that not to be a total loss because if you look at, you know, the, the picks that the Grizzlies had and the players that were on the board when those picks came up, they could have kept Melton and just drafted in the two slots that they were in and been okay. There was good talent there. Now I know, you know, I, I'm a big fan of climbing and the fact that he is not scared to go out and get his guy. You look at, you know, you go back to the year before and him moving back up into the first round to get Santi Aldama. And there were a lot of people scratching their head. They're like, who, why, why is he going to get him? And then, you know, Aldama was the talk of media day this year. You know, uh, Zach Kleiman, Taylor Jenkins, a lot of the players, they're like, you're really going to be surprised at what Aldama is able to do. So it's, while I was not a fan of the way that they executed this draft, because I would rather give me DeAnthony Melton and say uh, Nikola Jovic was a guy that was on the board whenever it got to them. And then if they would have, you know, if LaRavia and Roddy both would have been off the board by the time they got to that 29th pick, give me Kennedy Chandler at 29. I'm fine with it. I would rather have Melton and whoever they got at those two positions than what they have right now. With that being said, those guys are fitting in with this culture very well. You could see um, at, at media day, there was just kind of this confidence in the team and you could even see it in the rookies, you know, like Taylor Jenkins does, you know, possibly the best job in the NBA at instilling confidence in his players. Like, Hey, when you get an open shot, I want you to shoot it. I'm not going to be mad at you. And you know, those guys, when they got up there on the, on the podium and the media was asking them questions, they, you could just see the confidence in them and you could see, uh, there's pictures from media day where John Morant was clowning around. He took a camera from one of the media people and he started taking pictures and stuff. And you got Kenneth Lofton Jr. flexing, taking pictures. LaRavia was out there. Roddy was out there. So they stepped right in on this team and they, you can tell that they're bought in. I'll go back to media day. Zach Kleiman said that the biggest focus heading into this offseason was to improve the shooting on this team. The half-court offense in the playoffs last year was not good enough. The way that the Grizzlies play during the regular season, they're going to force turnovers and they're going to run the floor. And that's great. It's going to work well in the regular season and you're going to have a good record, but you better be able to execute on the offensive end whenever it comes playoff time. And that was... I won't call it the Achilles heel because I think that this team was a John Morant, a healthy John Morant away from sending the Warriors home and having a chance to play to get into the finals. Um, but he, he wanted to, he prioritized shooting in this draft. And so you, you let a guy like Kyle Anderson leave and, and that's tough because of what Kyle Anderson brought to this team and you trade DeAnthony Melton and you go out and you get some rookies that shot good percentages and you hope that that translates 
you're going to have internal growth from guys, Desmond Bain, Ja Morant, um, Zaire Williams, that is going to help elevate this team as well. But I, I'm a support guy, man. Like when, whenever this front office drafts somebody kind of like what you said, you know, they have done so well in developing players. If that's who they picked, I'm going to have confidence in that until they give me reason not to. So I wasn't happy on draft night, but these guys have bought in and excuse me. Laravia has got a lot of questions. Like he is very passive and, in this offense, when you get an open shot, Taylor Jenkins wants you to shoot the ball. And so that passiveness is something they're going to have to coach out of Jake LaRavia. And going back to when he played college ball, his college coach said, I've never coached a kid that can shoot the ball as well as he does, but just won't. So, you know, that seems to be like a, a man, I hate to call it a character flaw because that's a little bit strong. But th- that's kind of like a shortcoming for Jake LaRavia is he can shoot the lights out, but will he shoot it? And so that's something that I'm definitely going to be tuned into and watching as this season progresses. Because if you look at this team's roster, you got Dylan Brooks, Steven Adams, Desmond Bain, John ja Morant, Brandon Clark, Zaire Williams, Tyus Jones. Those seven guys were your primary playoff rotation last year, and you still have Xavier Tillman, who there's kind of some iffy, we don't know what's happening with him because he wasn't at media day, and he's yet to play a preseason game. So I don't know what the plan is for him. Yeah, and the biggest, not the thing that the Grizzlies, I feel like, were kind of known for last year was how deep they were. And... That's why I feel they won so many games with John Morant out. I mean, what what was the record? Do you remember? It was like it was something ridiculous. Like twenty, uh, they won like twenty and two. Yeah, without I think, they, I think they finished the season like uh, I want to say twenty twenty two and five without John Morant. I think yeah, it was it was something it. absurd that they had almost the same winning percentage without him. Um, I, I preface that to say. I feel like they were okay with giving up some of that depth this year because, again, it, it, it was always going to be very difficult for them to retain Tyus and slow-mo. It, it was, with what they both ended up getting, it was not impossible. They still wouldn't even be in the tax, but it's just difficult to retain two high-level rotation guys like that. So, I mean, Tyus Jones got, what, two for 29, which sounds like a lot for backup point guard, but it's also very good insurance for John Morant, who, you know, knock on wood, might miss 20 games a year, and that just might be what it is. But, I, I mean, I, is the loss of Kyle Anderson, is that, you know, giving them the thumbs up, like, okay, we, we've we seen Santi Aldama going back to him in our system for a year? He's ready. And again, I don't remember whether Kyle Anderson, they let him walk and then Jaron Jackson got foot surgery, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think yeah, that's they how knew. Yeah, I don't think they knew JJJ was missing time at the time they had that slow-mo walk. But either way, I mean, they, they had to feel comfortable with either Aldama or Laravia initially, you know, stepping into that. So Zaya Williams, maybe they play a little small. Brandon Clark, they play a little big. Tillman. 
play a little big. I mean, I just feel like they have to feel comfortable enough with the other options on the team to be okay with letting Kyle Anderson go. And again, I didn't love it on paper, just like I didn't love the draft on paper and trading Melton. But this team, I mean, all they do recently in the last three to four years is hit home runs. So, I mean, is that the sentiment at this point that, okay, we're okay with letting Slomo walk just because of how much we trust this front office? Uh, for me personally, I would have loved to have Kyle around as well. I, the, You know, a lot of people got upset. They're like, the Grizzlies didn't really do anything this offseason. Priority number one for me this offseason was maintaining, making sure that Tyus Jones was still on this roster. And I know that sounds maybe a little bit crazy, but there was not a veteran point guard that you could go out and sign that's going to be able to bring you the same quality of basketball that Tyus Jones is going to bring you. And so to me, that's why he he brings his value is far more than what they gave him in this contract. I, if Tyus Jones would have walked, if they let him go and Kennedy Chandler was the backup, I wouldn't have had an issue with that if Ja Morant was healthy. But at this point in his career, he is he has missed games. Can you know throughout his entire career, he's missed games. And so you can't bank on just, you know, he's gonna be a pillar of consistency whenever it comes to playing night in and night out. Number one, he he's a high flyer. He attacks the rim, he gets downhill. And when you do that, you're gonna be at risk of injury. He has said that he wants to become you know, he wants to develop other parts of his game so he, he doesn't have to risk as much because the best ability is availability. So, you know, I'm, I was not really okay letting Slomo walk because he is an elite role player and he's a guy that can guard multiple positions. He's a good playmaker. If Kyle Anderson could shoot the three on a consistent basis, he would be invaluable to this team the problem is Kyle Anderson has had a nagging shoulder injury and he's mentioned on a couple of occasions about that he's talked about that shoulder and he said that's just something I'm gonna have to learn to deal with and if you watch not last year but the season before when he made a career high in threes so he made more threes in one season than he had his entire career in the 2021 season And then 21-22, the hitch in the top of his shot was back. And I I will forever contribute that to that shoulder injury. You go back and you watch highlights. You go back and you find video of Kyle Anderson shooting the ball in the 2021 season compared to Kyle Anderson shooting the ball in the um, 21-22 season. You will see a significant difference. He has, like he brings the ball up beside his head And at the top of his form, it's like there's a hesitation, and then he just flicks the wrist. It was a lot more fluid. It it just looked so much better in that 2021 season than it did in 21-22. And his percentages showed it. His free throw percentage was a massive drop-off. He was a negative from the free throw line. And so for everything that he brought to the floor, there were definitely holes there. And – I have to like, let me ask you this, man, as a, like, I know that you, you watch a lot of basketball and the Grizzlies are not your primary team, but if you're looking at this team and you're constructing this team and it's like, 
okay, we can sign Kyle Anderson and keep him around, or we can make these moves. We're going to have three rookies coming in. We have Zaire Williams, who only played around 20 minutes a game last year. We have Santi Aldama, who we spent a first-round pick on. We spent all year developing him in the G League last year. We can sign Kyle, keep him around, and these guys are going to be kind of put back for another year. Or we can let Kyle walk and bank on the fact that internal development from Santi Aldama, from Zaire Williams, from the rookies is going to be enough to make this team better. And I can tell you, in shooting alone, if you ask me, and this Grizzlies, as currently constructed, even with the Jaron Jackson injury, I think I would prefer to take a shot at the upside because they, they're knocking on that door, man. Like, the championship window for the Grizzlies, there's no waiting on it. It's now. Are they going to win it this year? I don't know that. I'm not saying that. I'm not going to bet that they're going to win it this year. But you have a lot of talent on this team, and eventually everybody's going to have to get paid. So having this much talent on a team, your opportunity to win is very, very soon. And so as an executive, you have to look and try to calculate, okay, what's going to give me my best chance to win? And I don't know that the loss of Kyle Anderson is going to be so much that the internal improvement won't overcome that. Would the loss of Tyus Jones been too much to overcome then, do you think? If you lose both of those guys, I would say yes. I, I think if if Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones both left, I think that this team doesn't necessarily take a giant step backwards, but I think that they take a pretty significant step backwards if you lose both of those guys. Um, you know, but Brandon Clark is a guy based off of what he was saying at media day. Um, you know, he's going to be like a first off the bench, like an energy guy. He's accepted that role. He's locked into that role. And I think that Taylor Jenkins and this coaching staff is going to keep him in that role. Um, you know, it, it would Zaire, uh, he was on the ball more in summer league. They want him attacking, getting downhill, distributing the ball. And he's kind of, he's flash signs of that, you know, that his handle is still not as tight as I would like it to be. But I I think that you're going to see a big improvement from him. And and we saw a massive improvement in him from when he first started last year to a guy that deserved playoff rotation minutes. So, you know, it's hard to say, I, I wouldn't say that they would fall out of the playoffs if they lost both of those guys but I think that they would be like a borderline play-in team had they lost Jones and Anderson. Okay. So usually what I've been doing for this series while I'm going over basically each team, their all-season, their um, season preview, is I put together some potential trades they could make. For the Grizzlies, I didn't do that just because I I think a, a potential Danny Green trade aside. I think the Ross is pretty locked in. And I think, you know, Danny Green recovering from a 20 ACL, I think they might want to utilize him in the playoffs. So they might want to keep him around to, you know, kind of replace what the Anthony Melton gave them defensively and then also provide them with shooting, which, you know, I know you keep reiterating. So I'm, I'm not sure Danny Green ends up getting traded is what I'm trying to say. 
So that's why I didn't really put together any potential trades, but there's a few guys that do stick out. So I, I believe I actually saw either you or your co-host Isaac tweeting about it. But what do you think about the possibility of a reunion with Jay Crowder? Because obviously um, he's requested out of Phoenix for multiple reasons. They didn't want to give him an extension and they said he's not going to be starting. So while Jaron Jackson is recovering, is that like an ideal fit? Or would you rather, you know, wait, let Danny Green rehab or alternatively see what other options become closer to the trade deadline for a potential trade? Head, heading into the season, I'm not making any more moves. Okay. Heading if if you get to the trade deadline and Danny Green is not like he his he gets a set like suffers a massive setback um or, or something of that nature, or you come to the realization, okay, Dylan Brooks is not going to be a part of this team moving forward. Well then you can package Dylan Brooks and Danny Green and go out and get somebody. As far as Jay Crowder, it's a hard pass for me, and I have a couple reasons. I'm going to lead off saying I absolutely love Jay Crowder. I love what he'd done for this team whenever he was here. I love the growth that I saw from the players around him while he was here. But the thing that Danny Green has that Jay Crowder doesn't is championship experience. Jay Crowder has played on a lot of good teams. Jay Crowder has never won a championship. Danny Green has been there. He's been there multiple times. He knows what it takes. And I would rather see growth from the young guys under the leadership of Danny Green than to bring in Jay Crowder and that stunt the growth of some of these other guys because Jay Crowder is going to come in and he's going to take shots. And I would rather his 13, 14, 15 shots a game go to guys like Santi Aldama, Zaire Williams, Jake LaRavia, Heck, even John Conchar, as opposed to a Jay Crowder. You know, I I don't get to make that decision, so whatever they do, I'm going to support it. But just because you can go out and get a veteran guy like Jay Crowder doesn't mean that it's the best fit for the team. And I know that he has a relationship. Him and Ja got along fantastic whenever he was here. The guys love him. And when he's on your team, you love Jay Crowder. When he's not on your team, you hate him. And you need that type of person, um, I think, to win a championship. And the Grizzlies have that to me in Dylan Brooks. So I, I don't, uh, I'm not interested in, in Jay Crowder coming back to this team. I, I don't want to see a reunion tour. Okay. So then what about a guy like, while well, we're just on trades, I'm looking at like Orlando with like a Terrence Ross or a Gary Harris. Obviously, that would entail Danny Green and probably a second non-pick or two. I think that's more conceivable because, one, I reiterated every podcast. I sound like a broken record at this point, but you cannot have too much wing depth in today's NBA. And while the Grizzlies do have some, again, they were, don't, they were basically the deepest team in the NBA last year. I think a guy, and I think Orlando shot themselves in the foot by trading Evan Fournier for two seconds last year, or two years ago at the trade deadline. I don't think they'll be able to get a first-round pick for one of them now as a result. So, I mean, would a guy like that, or I'm thinking like, we you talked about potentially packaging Dylan Brooks and Danny Green to get a more expensive type guy. A guy like, I don't know, it's tough to do off the top of my head, but like a Jeremy Grant, if Portland doesn't have the success they expect, or a Harrison Bones, somebody like that. So, I mean, 
Do you think those kind of trades of Gary Harris or Terrence Ross or Harrison Barnes, do you think they would drastically improve the Grizzlies' chances? Or, I mean, it's difficult because you don't know if Danny Green, I'm not saying a sunk cost here is more of a salary matching, but he did tell his ACL in the second round of the playoffs and he's 36 years old. So who knows if he's... Yeah, it's going to be late in the season before Danny Green is ready. Like They made that pretty clear at media day. He said that, you know, everything is going well. Rehab is going well. He is very happy to be in Memphis. He's like, I'm happy to be with a franchise where I can rehab and provide the leadership. And so everything that Zach Kleiman was saying points to Danny Green is going to be in Memphis. Now, does that mean just until the trade deadline? Does that mean post-trade deadline? I, I, I don't know for sure, but... I think if if you look at the core of this team and you're talking John Morant, Desmond Bain, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., those will be the three guys that I say are locks to stay on this team. I expect Brandon Clark to get a contract extension sooner rather than later. I think that happens way before he ever gets to free agency. But I really truly believe that the core of this team is good enough to get to a championship, you just have to have things go in your favor. And and that makes a difference. You know, you, you look at Golden State and, and the titles that they have won, you know, they, they have had things go their way in order to get to that point. And so I, I don't know that they have to go out and make a splashy trade, something where they package Dylan and Danny. That's something that it's a possibility. They may, you know, evaluate things during the season and think, okay, well, we can go out and get a guy like Jeremy Grant because we need help on the defensive end and a guy that can fill it up for us. They may make that move. I don't know, you know, what, what that, what the situation in Portland would have to look like in order for them to want to move a guy like him. But I can tell you there there's not, I don't have a player specifically in mind that I would like for them to go and target. Miles Turner would would be a dream for me, but I don't know that Miles Turner moves the needle that much. Oh, I, I think just, he might. Like I just have insane daydreams about the amount of rim protection this team would have mm-hmm. with Jaron Jackson Jr. and Miles Turner. And you know, people talk about rebounding. Team rebounding is a big thing that Taylor Jenkins is preaching. And in games that Steven Adams was out last year, Jaron Jackson Jr. was pulling down like eight and a half, nine rebounds a game. So they could rebound just fine. And we've never seen Miles Turner without Demonis Sabonis. So we don't really know how many rebounds he can pull down because Sabonis is just a vacuum down there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like that, that would be kind of my dream scenario is that they go out and they get a guy like Miles Turner, but I think the championship experience that Danny Green brings and the leadership that he's going to be able to bring to this team is extremely valuable to Zach Kleiman and Taylor Jenkins. And so I I don't know that anything happens between now and the trade deadline that we see Danny Green moved off of this team. Okay, because I have another guy just going through cap sheets while we're talking. I'm thinking, and again... I spoke with Trevor Lane from the um, Lakers Nation podcast, and he said, I can't even fathom Anthony Davis and Miles Turner playing together because of 
you know, the defensive versatility, the ability to stretch the floor. I think Jalen Jackson and Miles Turner would be even more so. So you're right. I love that fit. And the Grizzlies are in a great position that not only are they young and they're a contender, but they have all their own picks plus other picks. They have um, Golden State's 2024. So they could go out and get anybody. I mean, I think anybody, like, let's just say Kevin Durant decides, no, I do want out. I think the Grizzlies are a dark horse because they have all their own picks. They are competing now. They have the young talent to package in a trade just in general any star to request out i think the first dark horse the dark horse is usually always toronto more often than not and we saw that with the they end up getting Kawhi leonard but i mean i i think the grizzlies really are a dark horse to get a huge deal done if that star were to become available yeah i mean they definitely have the assets and, and for me you know that's something that would have to definitely weigh hard on this front office Whenever it comes to decision making, uh, you know, Kevin Durant is under control for a couple more years. The amount that you would have to give up to get him is a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. That's why nobody was able to get him. Yeah. And to me, it's if you can get a guy like Kevin Durant, you get Kevin Durant. That instantly makes you a title contender. The issue for me is who says that this team is not good enough to win a championship without Kevin Durant because the the Warriors, when they went through the playoffs last year, I think the Grizzlies gave them more trouble than anybody else. And so to me, you, you look at that, and, and I read that as the Grizzlies are right there. They need a little push to get them over the top. And what is that push? Is that push internal growth? Is that push going out and making a splash? Is it getting a guy, making a trade, signing a big name in free agency? What is that push? I, I don't know exactly what it is. Um, you know, Kleiman seems to think that shooting is that push, and shooting is definitely going to help improve your half-court offense. And if you get a half-court offense where you can execute in the playoffs, this team's going to be dangerous. And anytime you have a guy like John ja Morant in the playoffs, you're going to be able to do something, but you need players around him that can adapt. You saw in those series teams like Minnesota, John Morant played well in that series, but John Morant had to earn every bucket because of the length of Minnesota. And so they kind of set a blueprint of what would work in order to, you know, I always say stars are going to get theirs. Right, but would you rather a star have 30 points on 11 shots or 30 points on 17? And as an opposing team, if I get this star, if I hold him to 30 points and he's got 17 shots, like I'm okay with that. If if he scores 30 and he only shot the ball nine or ten times, then that means that he got to do – whatever he wanted to do. So, you know, th- th- there's going to be schemes and everything that try and take John Moran out of it. But I think that he by himself is very, very good in the half court offense. So getting pieces that are going to fit around him is going to be crucial. Okay. So let's move on to their regular season preview. Um, for those of you who are listening, you guys know, I usually start with my minute projection. So for purposes of fancy basketball, for purposes of just trying to project teams and the success they're going to have over the year and project their rotations. I distributed 
basically minute projections to each guy on the Grizzlies. Um, unfortunately, I did not put Jaron Jackson in this exercise because he's going to miss probably up through Christmas. Hopefully he'll be back earlier, but we'll see. So, David, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but let me know if this sounds relatively accurate. I have John Moran at 33 minutes, Desmond Bain at 30, Dylan Brooks at 28, Santi Aldama starting at the four, which we've seen in the preseason so far, him starting both um, preseason games, him and Steven Adams each at 26 minutes. So that's the starting five. Then I have Tyus Jones at 22 minutes, Zaya Williams getting about 25, Brandon Clark getting 22. So I have eight guys getting 22 minutes or more, and I think they're one of the few teams in the league I could say that about. Then I round out the rotation with John Conchar at 16 minutes, and I put Laravia as the 10th guy with 12 minutes. So again, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot. I mean, is that a general idea of what the Grizzlies would do, especially at least with Jaron Jackson out? Yeah, with Jaron out, I think that that's probably pretty close. Um, Dylan Brooks is a workhorse, though, man. Like, I think that his minutes, um, I think that, you know, he probably plays a few more minutes than that. And maybe a guy like um, like Conchar sees a little bit less. They talked about Conchar having a bigger role this year. But I, I don't really know that you'll see his minutes go up all that much. John Conchar contributes. He plays winning basketball when he's on the floor. He rebounds the ball very well, very aggressive on defense. I like what he does. But um, John Conchar, in my opinion, is not like a playoff rotation guy. Regular season, he'll be fine. But I, I think that you see the only one that I would say you would see an uptick in out of what you said there was Dylan Brooks. And that's because, that's fair. Uh, you know, if they play small, like say they play Brandon Clark as the five, and, and you have a lineup out there as Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, Zaire Williams, Dylan Brooks at the four, and Clark at the five, because that's a possibility. Brooks is six seven with a plus wingspan, and he's very physical. We saw him matching up against Carl Anthony Towns in that Minnesota series. So he can guard guys bigger than him because of his level of physicality. Um, and, and just based off of that versatility, I think you see him get a few more minutes than that. Okay. And let's just quickly talk about Aldama. I, I know I kind of moved on to the season preview, but Aldama is somebody who's really been a surprise. I feel like he's this year's version, or he's going to be this year's version of what Jordan Poole was last year, where a guy who ended up being overstretched due to injuries, who wasn't really good the season or seasons before, all of a sudden takes that huge leap because not only is a team great at player development, but the team also desperately needed them. I mean, Aldama was, I believe he's from Spain initially. He ended up playing at Loyola um, Marymount, and, or Loyola, Maryland, excuse me. I, I know those are different schools. Um, Loyola, Maryland, which I believe is, is that in the Colonial Conference? He's in a mid-major, a very small school. Yeah, dominated, yeah, right. yeah, dominated the conference, but I, I mean... He didn't, He, as you said, the Grizzlies kind of reached for him at 30. I mean, teams weren't really expecting him to do much. So, I mean, he's looked great. I know it's only preseason, but he's looked phenomenal. And again, I've added him in every fantasy basketball league I'm in that he's available. So, I, I mean, I that's just a guy that I'm definitely, while we're covering the Grizzlies and we're, I'm trying to cover each team before the season starts, that's a guy I'm definitely looking for to take a huge leap. Um, I don't know what the odds are for him to win most improved. 
I don't even know if he even has odds to win most improved. But I, I throw a few bucks down because why not? I mean, especially with how he's looked this preseason. Yeah, I mean, he, like I said, at media day, there was a lot of hype around Aldama and people just saying that you're going to be really impressed at what he's able to do. Um, Aldama, and you guys can go, I'm, I'm on Twitter at NBA will two one, by the way. Um, I shared a lot of videos of the guys during media day when they were up there, they were like, like I had, I know I had Aldama and Kennedy Chandler, um, John Morant. I had a lot there. There's a lot of, if you go find me on Twitter, you can go back and you can watch Grizz media day videos and kind of get a feel and see some of the stuff that I'm talking about here. But he, Aldama himself, he was asked, you know, Jaron, he, Jaron Jackson is out. What do you expect from yourself stepping up into that bigger role? And he talked about, you know, in, in the off season, he focused on adding strength because he wanted to be better on the defensive end of the floor. And if you go back and you look at the college tape and you look at his numbers, he was a walking double, double at uh, Loyola. So I think that he's going to be fine on the offensive end of the floor. I think that you're going to need him to not be a traffic cone on the defensive end. And he knows that. So he, he's really focusing on it. And, and I like that, that you went out and got him in your fantasy leagues. He's not a guy that I'm going to overextend myself to get, but he is a guy that I'm going to take a flyer on late in drafts because he's going to get starters minutes and there's, you know, he's going to have, pretty good field goal percentage. He's going to knock you down a couple threes a game, and I think he's going to rebound the ball well. I don't know what he's going to do whenever it comes to defensive stats. That's kind of an an unknown for him. But on a late-round flyer, specifically in head-to-head leagues, you get a guy, say, in the 12th round, 12th, 13th round of your draft that's getting starters minutes that you can run out there, and maybe you see him. (laughs) Sorry, my daughter decided to make an appearance. No problem. But um, may, maybe you see him get, uh, you know, he, he may be a double-double guy even at this level given the opportunity because he, he's going to get to play minutes. And Brandon Clark will have an extended role there at the four as well. But Brandon Clark and, and Steven Adams tend to operate in the same spaces. And so I, I think that those two guys more than anything will be staggered. And so you may see Aldama and Brandon Clark on the floor a lot together. Yeah. And, you know, it was refreshing to do some fantasy basketball talk because obviously Sports Ethos is a fantasy platform. And while I do tend to talk strictly about the front office aspect of it, you know, um, I, I am an avid fantasy player myself. So, okay. So I have a buddy who was very a very frequent guest on my other podcast that I did before Bird Rights, which is currently on a hiatus, the NBA ball. And that's my buddy Jake Epstein. He is huge on the Grizzlies this year and what they're going to do. We're actually in a pool. It's 10 guys. And the, the best way I could do it is just explain it. So it's 10 guys and you draft a team. You draft three teams each. So you draft all 30 NBA teams. And then whoever gets the most wins at the end of the year, at the end of the regular season, wins the pot. So, no, I'm not condoning gambling, um, but he had, let me see, let me pull up the draft board. He was ecstatic where he got the Grizzlies. He got the Grizzlies at, let's see, two, four, six, seventh overall. He took them ahead of the Phoenix Suns, who have had the best record in the NBA the last two years. 
And I know they did have the second best record in the NBA last year, but I don't know. I, I not saying that is fluky. They're very well coached, very disciplined team. Like they do a lot of things really well. So maybe seventh was a little low, just to give you perspective. How about this? I named the six teams that go ahead of them, and you tell me if the Grizzlies have a better record than them or not. Okay. Number one was the Los Angeles Clippers. Mm. I actually think the Grizzlies will be better regular season than the Clippers because I think Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to max out at 15, 60 games each. Yeah, that's I was just going to mention. Like, there's so many. If if the Clippers go all in and they're playing – and you see Kawhi, you know, get closer to that 70 games played, which is probably not going to happen. If Paul George is healthy, that team is pretty good. No, they're, they're very um, deep. They're very good. I yeah. do actually think they can win the title, but I'm just talking about yeah. a regular season record. I think I would take Memphis. But Yeah, I think I lean Memphis there as well. Golden State went number two. Uh, I lean Memphis. Golden State's on. Golden State doesn't care about Denver. regular season wins. Yeah. No, they're like, look what they done last year, man. Like they could have very easily had home court advantage, but Steve Kerr didn't care. He, he no. literally so and and they they won the championship last year. There's going to be a hangover. I think that Memphis has a better record than Golden State this year. Denver went number three, which was actually very surprising. But the guy said, "I want you to take a huge swing." And with Michael Porter Jr. Jamal Murray back, that's a swing I took. I I actually think Denver could end up with a better record than Memphis, depending the health of MPJ and Jamal Murray. Man, and you know, you didn't mention some of the other moves that Denver made, and, and I think they're extremely underrated. The, you know, they they go out, they move Will Barton, and they get a guy in KCP, and it's like, well, you know, KCP doesn't really move the needle, but what is what is that Denver? Who on that Denver team was a lockdown perimeter defender? Yeah. They wanted Aaron Gordon to be that guy, but and and Aaron Gordon is not. So you, yeah, you know they right. go out and they get a guy to fill that role, and then you got Bones Highland who played extremely well last year. He's going to be playing in a bigger role. So you move Monty Morris, you move uh, Will Barton, you get KCP out there, and I feel like they made another move that I really like, but I can't. Uh, let me look. I'm going to pull the roster up. I apologize. I didn't. I didn't realize we were going to talk about this, so I didn't have all. No, you honestly, but... I just thought it'd be a fun exercise just to give people yeah. a perspective of what we think no, of the. No, no, I, I love it. That's um, let's see here. Maybe they didn't go out and get anybody. Oh, Bruce Brown. Bruce. Yeah, Brown Bruce Brown with the taxpayer MLE they got. Yeah, so. you know, like I, I don't understand the DeAndre Jordan signing. We have seen enough from him to know that he is well past wash. Well, DeAndre um, Jordan was close with Bruce Brown and he was close with Jeff Green when they okay. all played in Brooklyn together. So I think DeAndre Jordan was like, look, he's still a good locker room guy and yeah, he's a big a body who could rebound in eight minutes a game if we need him. And he helped Bruce Brown get there and recruited Bruce Brown to Denver. That's really what I think it was. Okay. Uh, fair enough, man. But, you know, I think that those moves, they're not big, flashy names. They're not guys that you would think of, oh, like they're really going to move the needle. But But they do have the back-to-back MVP. Yeah, like, you know, you have Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray. You know, everybody remembers bubble Jamal Murray and how good he was. Is MPJ going to be healthy? How much does that matter? Like, what type of leap are we going to see from Bones Highland this year? You know, they have a lot of good pieces on this team. And I think going out and getting a guy in KCP 
that is able to play really good perimeter defense is going to be huge for this team. Um, that one is close as far as like who am I taking either the Nuggets or the Grizzlies. Um, okay, I, I'm going to do this, and and this is a cop out. I know it's a cop out, so you can call me on it. It's fine. Okay, but I will say there has been speculation that Jaron Jackson will be back before Thanksgiving. That would be phenomenal. If Jaron Jackson is back by Thanksgiving, I take the Grizzlies. If Jaron Jackson is back closer to Christmas, I take the Nuggets. Okay, that's fair. Um, And then obviously if Jamal Murray is a little hobbled coming off injury, if Michael Porter Jr. is back, obviously, Christmas to be an issue, then of course, then at that point we will be Memphis. But um, the next three teams, four, five, and six, were three East teams. I had number four. I took the Sixers for a few reasons at four. One, because it's just easy. I'm a Sixers fan already, so I don't need to root for an extra team. But realistically, the issue last year, the Sixers was depth. And I saw like The Athletic wrote that the Sixers had the best offseason of all 30 NBA teams. I saw John Hollinger release an article yesterday that Sixers are his favorite to win the title. And that's because I think they're very equipped, even though they're built around a center, to have a modern-day style offense and defense. I mean, P.J. Tucker is switchable, one through five, essentially. He could play small ball. They got Melton, who could switch one through four. Denual House, I think, is pretty switchable. He played very well for Utah last year in the playoffs. So I do think they're very equipped to win a hell of a lot of games in the regular season. I'm not saying they're going to win the championship, but I'm saying strictly for regular season, it would not shock me at all if they got the one seed. Um, and and here, here is something, like you didn't even mean, you didn't say anything about Harold. And he is yeah. he is far and away, and it's it's not even remotely close to the best backup center that this team has had. Uh, Je- I don't know. Andre Drummond was okay. Man, like I, I get like peak Andre Drummond. I take him over Montrez Harrell. Oh yeah, of course. But at this point in their career, I think Montrez Harrell, his energy, the way that he plays the game, he's and the bring pick and roll combo with Harden mm, as man. well, and and. James Harden looks like a damn machine, man. Like he looks good. Have you? And I know you're a Sixers fan, so you have seen him. He's back in shape. Yeah, and they, Tyrese Maxey looks like he's ready to take another jump. He is like yeah, man. forty-five points is, in two in two preseason games. Where he's maxed out at like eighteen, nineteen minutes a game. I, I will tell you that when we were doing our season preview for our show, I picked the Seventy Sixers to win the title. Because I think that James Harden and Joel Embiid are more determined than ever to win a title. And I think that bringing DeAnthony Melton over instantly makes him your best perimeter guy off of the bench. And he's going to bring in Memphis when Melton was on the floor. They needed offense from him. He didn't provide offense in Philly. They don't need him to provide offense because they have Maxi, They have Harden. They have Embiid. They have Tobias Harris. They have four guys that can fill it up and and go 20, 30-plus, you know, any given night. They just need Melton to go out there and play defense and do the things that he does well. Mr. Do Something was a nickname that he had here in Memphis. You guys are going to love him. 76ers fans are going to love him because he plays hard. He's extremely disruptive on the defensive end of the floor. He rebounds the ball well. Um, You just – if you ever see him dribbling more than three times with anybody close to him, just pray. That's all I'm going to tell you because he, man, his handle is 
is not good, especially in traffic. But he doesn't like – I don't think he's going to have that. That role is not going to be on him there. So I really like his fit with this team. And and I take Sixers as far as win total for, for the season over the Grizzlies on that one. Okay. So I agree. Obviously, I took the Sixers over the Grizzlies. Um, so then the other two teams were the Bucks and the Celtics. Now, if you told me a month ago that Celtics were there at four, I would have jumped all over it because Danilo Gallinari hadn't yet torn his ACL. Um, Time Lord hadn't yet got a knee surgery. And obviously the Ime Udoka saga hadn't yet happened. Now with all that in play, the Celtics fell to six. I do think Sixers, Bucks, and Celtics are on a tier of their own in the East. But do you take Memphis over either of those teams, or where do you put them? Uh, I take Memphis over Boston. You take Memphis over Boston, but what about Milwaukee? Man, I don't know. I don't. Um, that that one's tough. I, I think you know, like the Jaron injury is going to make a difference there. Um, I think I'm, I'm going to lean Milwaukee there. Okay. Um, so you have Memphis, and then let's just talk about Phoenix. Phoenix was drafted after Memphis in this exercise. Where do you think they rank? Obviously, they have some turmoil themselves with the ownership and DeAndre Aiden and Monty Williams. Yeah, you know, the the entire way that they handled the DeAndre Aiden stuff was just garbage, man. It, it was it was a crappy thing. You know, does is he a max player? I don't know. I, I, you know, at his size and the production that he has had, if I'm that franchise, I'm just giving him the max. I, I am. Um, I can understand a little bit of hesitancy, but if you're not going to give him the max, they should have moved him. And, and I think that that is going to be, you know, he's there. I think that he's going to be a professional, but with all of this stuff that's going on with Sarver and, and, you know, they're possibly selling the team that is going to affect this team. How far do they drop off? I don't know. Um, but it's, de- it's definitely going to have an impact. You look at, you know, Jay Crowder asked out. Um, the feeling around Phoenix is just not good. I like the Grizzlies over them this year. Okay. So do you know what the Grizzlies, I'm pulling it up now. Do you know what the Grizzlies over and under is for win totals this year? If Man. not, I'll have it in a minute. I the last time that I looked, it's changed since then. The last time I looked, it was like 43 and a half. It's 43 and a half. I would have bet my mortgage on the over. Yeah. It's yeah. 48 and a half. It's 48 and a half. Yeah, it's 48. Yeah, I was surprised. I actually I, I got in, you know, and I don't I don't gamble a ton, but when I saw 43 and a half at first, I'm just like they just won 56. Like, why, yeah, why is it 43 to. and a half? So, like, I, I didn't have a ton to throw at it, but I, I do have a bet on that. And so, you know, I, I'm not going to win a ton, but I, I'm confident that that's going to be easy money there. I agree. So, 48 and a half. What do you think of that? Is that, I think I actually, I'm looking at I'm my projections this year. I actually think I have them at 49. So, I have them just going over by half a game. Yeah, I'm, I, I projected them to win 50 games. Okay, so yeah. we're right around the same idea. So what do you think? Final thoughts, is this team more equipped in the playoffs to win a championship and make a deep title run? Hopefully, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. is healthy by that. Hopefully, John Morant's fully healthy in the playoffs. What What's just the sediment around Grizzlies fans at this point? So uh, assuming that everybody is healthy, yeah, I like their odds. I, I like this team. I think that they have the pieces – 
to be competitive. They can beat anybody on any given night. They learned a lot from last season. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I have terrible luck saying like betting on my team to win the championship, even if they're the favorite. And so I just, I tend to stay away from that, but I'm confident that this team can be competitive and they, anytime that you have the best player on the floor in a seven game series, you have a chance to win that series. And there's not many teams out there where John Moran is not going to be in that conversation. So, you know, I know like the, what was it? CBS put out like the top 10 in the NBA right now. And John Morant was 10th. And, you know, you, you can have a conversation that's always subjective. You know, everybody's going to have a different opinion, but John Moran is one of the best players in the NBA. And so, you know, on any given night, he can be the best player on the floor against the best in the league. So I'm, I like their chances. I, I think that there are going to be a lot of things that have to go right in order for them to get there. But that's with any team. You know, you, you look yeah, at la- la- last year heading into the season, you know, you, you had when, when the Nets were putting together Kyrie and Harden and Durant and everybody's falling all over themselves, like the Nets are going to win it all. And then, you know, stuff always happens, man. You know, the, the early preseason favorite to win the championship – a lot of times it doesn't. I, yeah. Like you, you can, we can look at it and we can say, you know, on paper, this team is the best team, but you still have to play the games. You still have to play 82 games. You have to get through 82 games with everybody healthy. And then after that, you have to get through your series in the playoffs with everybody healthy. At the end of that golden state series, Desmond Bain was banged up. His, his back was killing him. He wasn't himself. He didn't play himself. John Morant was out, you know, th- there were a lot of things and I'm not a, not an excuse guy. The Warriors beat the Grizzlies. It is what it is. Stuff happens, but you know, you, you have to have things go right. And the Warriors just so happened to be the healthiest team in basketball whenever it came to the playoffs. And so it worked out for them. So if the Grizzlies are the healthiest team in basketball come playoff time, yeah, they got a shot to win the title this year. You know, and to win a championship, you're playing a minimum of 98 games in a season or a maximum of, what is it, 120 if every game, if every series theoretically goes to seven. So I, I, it's, depth is huge, and the Grizzlies have that. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Sure, they lost a little bit of depth, but, I mean, they, they won, as you said, 56, 50, 56, right? They won 56 and 26 last year. Mm-hmm. So... I have them, as I said, 49, you have them 50. I don't know if Kyle Anderson losing or losing Kyle Anderson makes them lose six games. But I I think the fact that they overachieved a little with John Morant being out last year and Jaron Jackson not obviously playing 78 games this year, uh, that definitely factors into that number as well. So any final thoughts or anything Grizzlies related, sports ethos related, anything you want to promote? So I'll say this, if they they can win fewer games this year and still have a good season, the West is tougher this year. Dallas made some moves. You know, whether Dallas is better or not is yet to be seen. Uh, to me, losing Jalen Brunson and adding uh, Christian Wood is a net loss. But uh, something that not a lot of people are talking about is the fact that Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to come back and be healthy and he was not last year. 
And so that's a that's a nice scoring punch off of their bench bench that Dallas didn't have. So you know Dallas is going to be good with Luca and that team. Uh, the Nuggets are getting healthy; they're going to be tough. The Clippers are coming into the season healthy; they're going to be tough. The Lakers have kind of retooled a little bit. Um, absolutely love the fact that they traded for Patrick Beverly because what did they not have last year? Defense. They couldn't even spell it. This is a guy that can play defense and knock down threes for you. So that's huge for them. I think Kendrick Nunn is healthy. I don't even know what happened to him. It's like a freaking mystery injury. And then he was like a knee bruise that kept him out an entire season. Yeah. Like just madness. So, you know, I think that the Lakers are going to be much better this year. I don't know if they're like a threat. I, I don't know if they they have that much. Um, you know, there's still talks of of that possible um Indiana the Indiana trade going through the Miles Turner and, and Buddy, Buddy Hill. And if that goes down, you know, th- that changes things a lot. But the, the West got tougher. Portland made some moves to try and improve that team. Um I'm Sacramento's still, at least trying. Yeah, I don't know man. how successful they'll be, but they're trying. I, yeah, and and uh, New Orleans, you know, everybody's coming back healthy. There, that team was looking Zion's good at back, the end of the yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, th- there are a lot of good teams in the West. So if the Grizzlies don't win fifty six games this year, I'm not going to be disappointed. You know, yeah. I, th- that is, I, I don't take that. Success is not always linear, and so you know, at this point. In the Zach Kleiman era, everything has kind of been linear. So at some point, you have to kind of, you know, make that step where, you know, maybe it's not a step back, but it's kind of a plateau effect. And then you take the step forward. You look at how Milwaukee built their championship team. They got there. They got punched in the face. They came back the next year. They got there. They got punched in the face. And then they knew, okay, we need another playmaker on this squad. So they go out and they get the guy that is available to be that playmaker to help them win the championship. And then they were able to do it the next year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe the Grizzlies follow that same path. Maybe they don't, but either way, I'm, I'm super happy with the position that this franchise is in. Um, I like, I, I like Roddy and LaRavia. Uh, I just didn't like the way, like the method that they took to, to land those guys. So, you know, they're in Grizzlies uniforms now. They're going to get nothing but support from me. So hopefully we uh, we see those guys develop in the way that we saw Zaire improve last year. And if that's the case, the, the depth thing that the Grizzlies had last year will continue over into this year. And the one thing I'll tell you for sure that, that is better, Kennedy Chandler is going to be – he's going to be a really good guard in the NBA. And I think that Kennedy Chandler – could step into that D'Anthony Melton role right now and do it better. I, you know, he he's he's only six foot, but he's got a plus wingspan. And he he's plays, a tough, tough guy to go against. Yeah, man, much much. He plays much bigger than six foot, and he takes care of the basketball. And I feel like he shoots the three a little bit better than Melton. So, you know, I I know that there are some questions. You know, you lose a guy like Melton, you lose a guy like Kyle Anderson. You're like, okay, are that are they still deep? And from my point of view, they they still are one of the deepest teams in the league. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And we didn't even mention the John Contra extension, but they got they got him for a pretty good deal as well. It was what six eighteen point three for eighteen and a half. About they yeah, they did it was well, like some, somewhere around six point two per something like that. 
Yeah. So yeah. they did well. Um, yeah. so David, anything you want to plug? Uh man, the 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 B one fifty, man. This is I, I know the B one fifty is not mine, but I can tell you from personal experience that it has helped me win a number of leagues. The the whether you get the fantasy pass, uh, the ethos three sixty pass, wh- whatever you go and get, if you buy the brute the the B one fifty a la carte, you're gonna get your money's worth out of it. The the way that you win leagues is finding value, and year after year after year, the B one fifty is produced. It's been the best list in the industry ten plus years for a reason. Go out there, get it over at sports ethos and and you won't regret it man if you're in any type of money leagues you know you, you have to some people make their own list i've been doing this now like i've been doing fantasy stuff for 10 plus years so i have my own list but i work the, like the b150 is a tool that i use and a lot of times i will trust being brewski more than i trust myself just because he's helped me win money and uh you know i, I just think i encourage you guys to go and do that um Go follow our show. It's it's at Ethos Grizzlies on Twitter. Uh, we're, we're pumping out episodes. It's going to be as the season ramps up. It's going to be more frequently. Uh, I'm at NBA D Will Two One. Man, just, that's it. Come find me on social media. I love interacting uh, and and get that B150. Help you help yourself win some money. Yeah, and you guys can follow me on Twitter at Bird Rights Pod. And yeah, we will talk to you guys next episode. Go download the, or not download, go purchase the Brewski 150. Download it if, you know, you already purchased it. But, you know, definitely go check that out. If you guys are serious fancy basketball players, we will not let you down. You could take our word for it. And yeah, I will talk to you guys next episode. Thanks for listening.